Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you on Thursday morning. Wow, Thursdays are the day to be. I mean, this is the first day of training camp practice. We're talking about practice. All right. I'm really glad you're joining me here. I know. I'm sorry. It's not Let's Ride. It's Thursday. You're stuck with me instead, but that's all right. But today is the day that the Steelers are going to take the field, not in pads. They're going to be at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the south side, but they're going to actually be on the field doing their thing, doing some drills. I don't know exactly how much they'll be doing, but we never got a really firm start date for training camp. We had several things. We were told that today, Thursday, was going to be the start of of camp by one reliable source um, from DK Pittsburgh Sports. And we were also know that on the Wednesday the 28th is the first day that fans will be in attendance at Heinz Field for the first padded practice. But then on Tuesday night, the Steelers set out something on Twitter that said, oh, players are coming tomorrow. So you kind of didn't know exactly what all those different dates meant. So they showed up on Wednesday. You know, they officially reported they're going to start with some practice stuff, non-padded practices today. The, why can I not remember what the date is today? (laughs) The 22nd um, on Thursday. And here we go. We're starting. To me, this means the NFL offseason, at least for the Pittsburgh Steelers, is over. 
Off-season done. It is time to get on with this 2021 season. And what is even more fantastic is two weeks from today, we will get our first preseason game, the Hall of Fame game, August 5th in Canton, Ohio against the Dallas Cowboys. I don't really even care who the Steelers are playing. That doesn't matter in the preseason, really. The, the opponent is meaningless in the preseason, in my opinion, all because it's all about seeing what your players are going to do and things of that nature. But we can't go on. I'm, I'm actually recording this much later on Wednesday um, than I normally do because to come to you as early as possible Thursday morning. And that's because I've been kind of reeling with a lot of stuff because of the retirement of Vince Williams. Man, oh man, that kind of that kind of surprised me. And it was really interesting because when you saw the interesting tweak, tw- sorry, tweet from um, former Steeler Terrence Garvin whenever Melvin Ingram signed and someone listed out all the linebackers and, oh, this is crazy. And he's like, yeah, I know something's coming. And we're like, uh, okay, what's coming? What's coming? What's coming? And it was, it was the Vince Williams retirement. I kind of, it's funny. It's not, I can't say that thought didn't enter my mind when I first read that, not even retirement that I'm like, uh, oh, somebody's hurt and isn't really going to be ready to go or something's going on. One of these guys isn't going to be available. And I thought about the different stuff and I even thought about Vince Williams, but I never really gave it any stock. You know, I never really thought that's what it was going to be, but that that's it. Vince Williams is calling it a career, crazy off season, salary cap casualty before the start of the new league year signed back in the middle of April um, at, at a league minimum deal. Now he's moving on. He's moving on to other things other than football. I, I, at the time I'm recording this, there's not really anything out there where Vince is really saying, you know, I just didn't have the passion or anything like that. We're not getting any kind of story about it other than that he's retiring, but, um, best of luck in whatever you go on to do one Vidi Vidi Vici. Um, you were a great Pittsburgh Steeler. You hard-nosed, all that good stuff. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're going to talk about some offensive line, which is crazy because everything that's happened since the last time we I came to you on a Thursday morning because, you know, the Melvin Ingram signing and things like that. It's just, it's kind of crazy. But we can say they did do some stuff with the offensive line. The Steelers added another offensive tackle. Um, it's a journeyman tackle. Chaz Green, I do believe is the name. So they have another Green. Um, they added him to the roster, nothing yet on his salary. I'm pretty sure it's going to be for like a minimum deal, you know, shouldn't affect anything with the salary cap. Um, and then of course they, they got their third round draft pick Kendrick green under contract. So that's some more recapping a little bit of the news before we get into this, but we're going to talk offensive line, but I kind of got to give a bit of a disclaimer with this because what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down who started, how many games, how it worked out. That's what we're going to look at first. Then I'm going to turn around and look at, all right, week by week, what was the combination? How did the Steelers do? You know, how were things working? I don't want you to think that some of the stuff that I'm going to report, like I'm going to say the rushing yards. I mean, I didn't even go into attempts. Um, I just flat up gave the yards. Um, also, it's going to, I'm going to mention how many times the quarterback was sacked, 
meaning how many sacks they surrendered. But just because it's that combination, there are so many other factors that factor into this, that it's not just all on that. Because, I mean, think about it. Not every defense that the Steelers played was equal. In my opinion, the best defense they played all season was the Washington football team. And we'll see how that worked out whenever we get there. That that defense really, really was something, especially that defensive front. So what I'm going to do is we're going to first look at the players that were considered the starters for the Steelers. So what, what has to happen in order for a player to be considered starting for a season? And all these numbers are coming, once again, courtesy of Pro Football Reference. That's my go-to. But what they do is whoever started the most games at that position for the year that was deemed the starter. And, of course, starting the game just means you're on the field for the first snap. But when it comes to offensive line, almost all the time when these guys are playing, it's 100% of the snaps. I'll make some notes in there when it wasn't. So first and foremost, the one player that started every game for the Steelers on the offensive line, there was only one was one Alejandro Villanueva started all 16 games at left tackle. So therefore, of course, the Steelers went 12-4 and four when Big Al was in the starting lineup. Who started the, the next most was right tackle Chuksakorafor, who started 15 games. Obviously, he didn't start week one. We'll get to that eventually. And so therefore, the Steelers were 11-4 and four when Chooks was in the starting lineup. Then the other three guys all tied. They all had 13 starts on the year. Matt Filer at left guard. Had 13 starts, he went 11 and 2. Marquise Pouncey at center, 13 starts. The Steelers went 11 and 2 when he was in the starting lineup. And right guard David DeCastro, 13 starts. Steelers went 9 and 4 when DeCastro was in the starting lineup. But I'm not, I'm not saying that's all on him. But DeCastro was not the same player at the end of the year that he was at the beginning of the year. There was just that you could tell there was something not right with him. And Steelers Nation was hoping, you know, get right in the offseason and come back ready for 2021. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. He wasn't able to get right in the offseason. So, um, therefore, he's no longer a part of the Pittsburgh Steelers at this time. So, let's look at the other guys. Other, other guys that got starts on the offensive line. First of all, you got Zach Banner, and I'll go ahead and throw in Stefan Wisniewski. Both of those guys started one game in week one. The Steelers won the game, All right? They got injured on back-to-back plays. So, but Banner was lost for the season. Wisniewski was lost for a while. But even when they brought him back, they ended up releasing him just because things weren't really fitting that well if you watched that week one game. The other players that started was Kevin Dotson had four starts on the season. The Steelers went three and one when Dotson, when Dotson was in the starting lineup. And then the one other player that started was J.C. Hassenauer had four starts on the season. And the Steelers went one and three when he was in the starting lineup. So if you kind of look at those records, I don't, you don't kind of don't want to pick on one player, but we will just say there was only one player out of everyone who the Steelers did not have a winning record when they were in the starting lineup. So was that important? Was that not? Did that lead to it? That's what we'll do about breaking things down week by week. Um, I'm actually going to go ahead and do our break really early because it's going to take some time to go through these week by week, and I don't want to stop in the middle. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to get get our quick commercial break, listen to some Jerry Cherry Band, and we'll be 
right back to break this down, see who the starting lineup was every week in 2020 and kind of how things worked out. So we'll be right back. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, we are back talking offensive line here on Steelers Stack. This is my wheelhouse, talking stats and talking offensive line, which is funny because offensive line is probably the one position on the field that gives you the least amount of stats of anyone on the football field. But I'm Dave Schofield, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And you all should probably know by listening to me for a while now that I'm a stats guy. I like numbers. I crunch numbers. It's kind of what I do. Um, I like number puzzles. I like anything dealing with digits that kind of fits together. That's, that's right in my wheelhouse. Also, I played offensive line when I played football. I coached offensive line when I coached football. So offensive line is kind of what I do there. So Let's go ahead and we're going to, we already looked at the record that the Steelers had when each player was in a starting lineup on the offensive line. Now let's look week by week, who were the starters, who played and how did the Steelers do? So week one, the starters were, um, and all these, when I list them, they're going to go left to right, left tackle across to right tackle. So that way I don't have to keep saying the position over and over again and bore you down with me stumbling over words, but it was. I shouldn't even say left. I'm going to always start with Villanueva because he was every, every, he started every game. But we got Big Al, Filer, Pouncey, Wisniewski, and Zach Banner. Those were your starters. Now, the first three guys played 100% of the snaps. Um, Wisniewski and Banner did not because they both got injured. Um, what, what ended up, what ended up happening was, um, Dotson had to come in for six, for six snaps. And then Chooks had to come in for five snaps. He actually had nine for the game because he had four snaps as the jumbo tight end. But um, that, that's how many snaps those guys missed. So it was they were ma- the majority of the game. So the way, as we should hopefully remember, the Steelers won that game 26 to 16. And the Steelers rushed for 141 yards. And they surrendered two sacks, which was they never surrendered more than two sacks in a game all season. But that was one of them where they did. So that was the offensive line trying to get to know um, what was going on there. You could say, oh, maybe they were more primed for for run blocking than, than everything else. But you also have to remember, this was a time of the season. There was no preseason games. There was nothing on film from what the Steelers did with some of the Matt Canada motions they involved in the running game. And once teams got film on it and could break it down. It kind of changed everything. But that was the pure numbers behind week one. Then you go to week two. 
And in week two, it was Big Al, Filer, Pouncey, Dotson, and Chooks. So now Chooks is going to be in there for every game the rest of the season. But Kevin Dotson got the start there. The Steelers won that game at home against Denver 26-21. They had 109 rushing yards. They only surrendered one sack. So he kind of came in there and and you know Dotson was filling in for Wisniewski, who was filling in for DeCastro, who missed the first two games. And it was just you know, it, it was what it was. Um, he came in, didn't Steelers offensive line didn't really seem to lose a beat in his very first start. We'll see how that happens as stuff goes on. Then in week three, I don't even want to tell you about week four because technically that was the Steelers' bye, if you can call it that, but they didn't play a game. But in week three and week five, it was the same lineup. It was the season starters. It was Big Al, Filer, Pouncey, DeCastro, and Chooks. That's what it was week three against the Texans, where they rushed for 169 yards, the most in the season, of the season, but they did surrender two sacks, and they won the game 28-21. So, so far, kind of, kind of think of this, 26 points, 26 points, 28 points. All right. But in week five, after the quote-unquote bye week, um, the Steelers come out playing the Philadelphia Eagles, and they put up 38 points. Same starting lineup, 136 rushing yards, only surrendered one sack, 38-29 victory. Uh, it kind of seemed like, okay, well, the, the offense seems to be comfortable because sometimes it's not even about the snap, snaps as much as it is comfort. Comfort of the guys working together in the line, comfort and confidence of the quarterback in the line that he's going to have time to throw and not get killed back there. We'll see that that might be a problem later on. But then for week six, there's a, there was a, a, another change in the offensive line, okay? This is where you had um, um, in week six, I'm sorry, that was the, a fantastic, one of my favorite games of the season because, I mean, 38 to seven over the, the mistake by the lake, that was just fantastic. But it was, it was Big Al, Filer, Pouncey, Dotson, and Chooks. That was your starters in that blowout against the Browns. So that's just kind of interesting to see what happened there. Now, they did not, you know, I mean, well, no, they did pretty well with that. They, um, but wait, before I do that, not every player played all the snaps, okay? Because it was such a blowout, Hassenauer came in, played 11 snaps at center. Um, Hawkins or Gerald Hawkins, um, he, he played three snaps at the end, but he also had another seven snaps at the jumbo tight end. And Derwin Gray even had three snaps at the end of the game. So that was kind of nice. It was one of those times those guys did not play 100% of the snaps. The only ones that did in that game were Dotson and Big Al. And they rushed for 129 yards. They did surrender two sacks. But they were also part of a team that put up 38 points. Granted, one, you know, some of that was the defense, um, if we remember that correctly. But that was an offensive line out there getting the job done. Then we go to the next week. Then the infamous week seven against the Tennessee Titans, where the Steelers, they won 27 to 24. So if you look at it so far, everything's 26 points and above that the Steelers have scored. They've won every game. They were back to their usual starting lineup in Big Al, Filer, Pouncey, DeCastro, Chooks. Chooks missed a snap in that game. I th- um, 
is that the game he tweaks something and had to come out for one snap? And you're like, oh no, down to the third right tackle. Nope. And then he was back. Um, they had 94 rushing yards in that game, but they surrendered zero sacks. That was the first game of the season that the Steelers did not go over 100 yards rushing. And it's so funny that we talk about going over 100 yards rushing because we know what's coming. We know how bad these run totals get as as you go on. But that was that was the starting lineup there. And that same starting lineup was used for the next, um, let me see, I'm trying to count them up. Um, if we count that one, it was seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven. All of them had the same same starting lineup. So that was five straight games of the same of the same guys when it came to to Tennessee because DeCastro was back and there they were going. So week eight, this is where you saw the big fall off, especially when it came to rushing the ball. Now it was going up against the Ravens, and the Ravens didn't rush the ball. I mean, I throw up in my mouth every time I say that. Well, I say they didn't rush the ball. No, they did rush the ball. They rushed for like 265 yards. But the but the Steelers, they only rushed for 48 yards, and they surrendered two sacks. But they did enough to win that game 28-24 to 24 in Baltimore. Then in week nine, the Steelers were facing the Dallas Cowboys. Now, they struggled with this game early, but they were able to come back. This was their lowest point total of the season to date. Of 24, okay? But they only had 46 rushes, but they didn't give up any sacks. No sacks surrendered. So, so yeah, 46 rushing yards, not, that's starting to, I mean, 48, 46, then it's it's dropping little by little. Because then the next week, who, week 11, now this was a nice decisive victory. It dropped even more. Same starting lineup. Um, Pouncey missed four snaps at the end of the game because it was a you know out of hand. The thirty-six to ten win over the Bungles, where they rushed for forty-four rushing yards, gave up no sacks. So what you're seeing is over the course of those five games. Oh wait, um, we 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 still got one more to do. Um, sorry, I, I almost jumped jumped the gun thinking that was the same stretch of five games for, um, for those five starters, but there's not. There was one more where um, the Steelers beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 27-3. to Everyone played the whole game except for Pouncey and DeCastro. They each missed six snaps. They were rested at the end of the game. They rushed for 106 yards, gave up zero sacks. So you're talking about that five-game stretch. In that five-game stretch where the Steelers were not running the ball overly well, I mean, they had a 106-yard rushing in there and 94 at the beginning. So that was, that was then the, then the three forties yard rushing attempts sandwiched in between there. So that wasn't so much, but they only surrendered two sacks in five games, two total sacks in those five games. So that was pretty interesting that you kind of saw some things that, that were happening. And a lot of this had to also do with defenses, figuring out the Steelers offensive scheme. I think I think the lack of creativity of the Steelers' offense really affected what the offensive line could do and really brought out their weaknesses more than anything. But then week 12, week 12, to me, that was the turning point of the season. Week 12, it was the Steelers' 11th game. They won the game. But this is where everything didn't seem right. This was, to me, from this point on, there's – with one exception in there, and we'll talk about that exception, this is where things just didn't seem to to go right. 
But so it was week 11, or sorry, week 12 against Baltimore in Pittsburgh after the game was delayed almost a week. I think it was, was it five days or six days that ended up being delayed? I don't know. It was supposed to be Thanksgiving night. It ends up being played on a pretty, was it a Tuesday afternoon or when? I can't even remember. It was so brutal. Um, it started at 3.05. It was Wednesday. Wednesday. What am I saying? It wasn't Tuesday. It was Wednesday. Three, you know, started started at 3.40 in the afternoon. Crazy. The Steelers only scored 19 points, but they won the game. But their starting lineup was Villanueva, Filer, J.C. Hassenauer, David DeCastro, and Chooks. Okay. The Steelers only rushed for 68 yards. They didn't surrender any sacks. But they rushed for only 68 yards, and it seemed like something wasn't wasn't quite right there. You know, they were playing a, a depleted squad, and that was kind of the point where you're like, yeah, I don't know. And then it kind of all came crashing down the next week because the same starting lineup started the next week, which was with J.C. Hassenauer at center. And the Steelers, they, they lost to the Washington football team 17-23, to and that was – after being up 14 to three at halftime. So you're like, okay, what happened? Well, how about 21 rushing yards, 21 rushing yards. They didn't give up any sacks again, but they only gave, they only had 21 rushing yards on 14 attempts. Okay. Not a lot of attempts, but for 21 yards. And it just seemed like that's when the offense could really get going. It seemed like Ben Roethlisberger was throwing the ball almost too quickly. And if you look at some of the film, something that Jeffrey Benedict brought up, it was, it almost seems like there wasn't really much trust in one JC Hassenauer. So then you go to on to week 14 when the starting lineup goes back to the normal starting lineup Big Al, Filer, Pouncey, DeCastro, and Chooks. Oh, they more than, oh, they more than doubled their rushing output of 47 yards, but they did surrender a sack. This was, this was, 15 to 26. That was the final score against the Bills. And you got to remember the Steelers were up seven to three until the pick six right before the half. I mean, with less than a minute left in the first half, Buffalo gets a pick six. I mean, the Steelers had shut them down the entire first half. And it was just two drives in the second half. And that was it. That was it was the pick six, and they gave up two drives in the second half where basically all Buffalo did was move Stefan Diggs to the other side of the field, used him for two drives, then the Steelers figured it out, and they and it was done. It, I mean, it, it was crazy just how very little part of that game is what lost the Steelers that game. But um, that was the output there. Then you move on to week 15. The Steelers, <laughs> once again, can't hit 20 points. They hadn't hit 20 points you know, since, since everything kind of started to turn in that week, in that week 12 game against the Ravens, they fell 17 to 27 to the, to the Bengals, to the Bungles. You can't really call them that when they win, but the starting lineup for that one in week 15 was Big Al, JC Hassenauer at guard, Marquis Pouncey at center, DeCastro and Chooks. Now Hassenauer played 75% of the snaps at guard, Derwin Gray played the other 25. They kind of rotated him in some. But things were not working there. They did rush for 86 yards. They surrendered a sack. But the biggest thing is, is look, is the points. 17 points. 17 points. None in the first half. If you recall, the Steelers were shut out at halftime. 
Then they come back, make it a game in the third quarter. They're down by a touchdown. And then it, then it was just that one drive that, that got away from them. So there was that game. I, I don't like talking about some of these games, having to relive them. But then we got to go on to something that I think is very interesting. And that is week 16. Week 16, the starting lineup changed again. It was Villanueva, Dotson, Pouncey, DeCastro, and Chooks. That is the only game this starting lineup started for the Steelers in 2020 because it was Dotson at left guard and DeCastro at right guard. And this was a 28-24 to victory over the Indianapolis Colts. The Steelers only rushed for 22 yards. I mean, the, the rushing was, was – it was – Terrible. They only surrendered one sack, but the Steelers, they went to the air game in this, in, in this game. That's what they had to do. Um, I mean, they rushed the ball 14 times, but I mean, 34 to 49, 341 yards, three touchdowns. If we can remember that, I mean, the Steelers were down 21 to seven at half and they came out and what really did it more than anything was the Steelers didn't attempt a deep pass, a pass more than 15 yards where the receiver was more than 50 yards past the line of scrimmage until there was less than two minutes left in the first half. Everything was short. Everything was short. Everything was short. Then they had that two-minute drill at the end. I mean, they ran out of time, um, but they were taking deeper shots and completing deeper shots. And what do you know? The Steelers came out, and all of a sudden, Ben Roethlisberger has time to throw the football and push the ball down the field, and they started doing it. And part of the field breakdown, I keep referring to from Jeffrey Benedict, which if you're listening, man, just wait, because Jeffrey is coming coming out with his own podcast in the audio form that's going to be him breaking down film. Now you're like, how do you do that in audio? You you have to paint a picture with words. It's like listening to a game on the radio. If you know what you're doing, you can do it. And I feel Jeffrey is a guy, I can't wait to listen to that one because it just, you know, breaking down little things. But one of the things you saw there was that Ben didn't feel like he was going to get crushed right up the middle Come with Dotson and DeCastro. I mean, DeCastro was not doing very good run blocking late in the season, but his pass blocking wasn't, wasn't as affected as much, in my opinion. Um, so therefore, I mean, someone could argue that fact and they could maybe show some stuff and, you know, I, I could see it. It was kind of on a play-by-play basis. But when Roethlisberger had time to throw, he did. And what do you know, for the first time, in five weeks, the Steelers go over 20 points. They score 28 points. They win the game. They wrap up the AFC North. And that's that was kind of put a bow on it. And some people were like, oh, wait. Oh, yeah, look, they're back. I wasn't ready to be to see the Steelers were back after one half of football. But that was just me. I want to see a little bit more. But believe it or not, in week 17, what we saw was not bad. When Even with people resting and you had the starting lineup of Big Al, Dotson, J.C. Hassenauer, DeCastro, and Chooks. This one, the Steelers, they, they lost in Cleveland 22-24. They're a failed two-point conversion away from this game getting really interesting. Um, they had 85 rushing yards. They gave up one sack. But even without Roethlisberger, Pouncey, Watt, Hayward, without all those guys, they still went in there and gave a much better game in Cleveland 
with this lineup than what they did the next week, which was back to their typical starting lineup. So I, I will tell you this. Um, Kevin Dotson, when he was in the lineup, you were looking at the Steelers always going over 20 points. You know, And the only game the Steelers lost with Dotson in the lineup was week 17. So that's one thing to take from it. You're like, oh, yeah, three and one. That was week 17. That was without Ben Roethlisberger. And a lot of people still feel that, you know, if the Steelers wouldn't have rested everybody, they might have been facing a different opponent in the playoffs. But hindsight, we know what it is. So that's something to think about with Dotson coming back. Um, it's really hard to, to judge a lot of stuff here with, like, you know, big hour chooks because they basically played the whole time. So this was more looking at – I don't like to pick on the guy, but the Steelers definitely had problems, and Ben Roethlisberger felt like he had to throw the ball much faster when J.C. Hasenauer was in the lineup. So this offensive line for 2021 is going to really be the key. It's what it's really going to come down to on, on this offense because one my last my last prediction for the Steelers' 30 predictions or 30 scenarios in 30 days um, that – myself and Jeff Hartman did for the website. The last one I did was if Ben Roethlisberger has time, he's going to, he's going to push the ball deep down the field. If the offensive line can give Ben time, he's going to throw it. So my point is this We when Ben Roethlisberger didn't play in 2019, we saw the, the throw everything short to throw everything short offense that the former offensive coordinator wanted to run without Ben. Then, then Ben's back, and you've got a coordinator that just wants to dump everything short. Then you have an offensive line at that late in the season was not protecting well enough to give him time to throw. Of course he's going to throw it short. And now everyone wants to jump on the bandwagon of Ben Roethlisberger. He can't throw the ball deep. Okay, you can say he – if you want to say he doesn't throw it – he can't throw it well or doesn't do it well, I'll take that argument. To say he can't do it. It's not factual. I mean, all you have to do is look at the second half of that indie game and watch him throwing the ball down the field because he had time. So it's not that he can't. And I'm not saying he, he did a fantastic job of it. But also, when you're not having the most confidence in your line, we can see that. And then with no running game and everything to support it. So whew, there's a lot to, to, to take in with this. But I wanted to break it down so you had an idea of where things kind of started to fall apart with the Steelers and how things were working with the offensive line and whether or not it was exactly what the problem was or not. I think it was a big combination of things. So I don't want to just lay it on one thing, but if you wanted to look at this to see what part it played, there it was. So I always got to say this. Um, I, I've got a, I've got a, a, a question I got to answer for next week. I just wasn't able to get all the answer to it in time for this week's show um, that, I, that I really am looking forward to answering next week. But I'm always looking for questions um, at STLR Superfandad on Twitter or STLR Superfandad at gmail.com on the email side of things. You can um, send me an email or shoot me a message on Twitter anytime asking a stats question that I could use on the show. Sometimes people just ask me a question just to ask it to get it answered right then. And I like to do that as much as I can. So um, make sure you're checking out all the audio podcasts. All, if you can hit the live shows, that's fantastic as well that are on YouTube and Facebook uh, every day. Additionally, make sure you're checking out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Training camp's kicking off. I mean, things are really ramping up. A lot's going on. 
I'm so excited for this season. Just want to get it started. But um, uh, we're going to get data. We're going to get data in two weeks. We're going to get data to work on that's this year's data, not the stuff that I have to talk about from last year. And that's what really excites me. And what I can't wait for is getting this year's data. But once again, thanks for joining me. And as I always say, thanks for joining me.